everyone, and welcome back to the Talking Blues podcast. Uh, a big win today against Luton, 3-0. Uh, you know, first win at the bridge in whatever it is, six months or something like that. Something crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm just super excited, super happy. I think we all are. Uh, Josh isn't going to join us today. He actually just moved into college, so we're giving him like a week break, uh, and then he'll be back on the grind. Peter's here with me uh, before we move in, what is it, like a week, a little less than a week now. Uh, or a little more than a week, I should say, before we move in. And then Josh is going to have to uh, carry the load maybe for a few days. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about this. And uh, I'll send it over right to Peter to you know get into it because it's uh, it was a really, I guess, it was boring in the beginning. Or I shouldn't say boring, just really slow. Uh, and then Chelsea were able to pick up the tempo later in the second half and make it quite yeah, I was talking to Alex about this. I texted him during a game, and I was like, that first half, after the Sterling goal, it felt like we were playing an FA Cup game against a League 1, League 2 side who knew they had no chance. And I mean, to be fair, Luton is a championship-level club at this point, but it felt, it was just, it was exactly what you said, Alex. It was just a, such a slow game. We definitely picked it up as the game went along, I mean, after the goal. Uh, but in general, I mean, you have to be pleased with the performance. Obviously, Luton is... I would say far and away probably the worst team in the league this year. So it's good that we were able to win 3-0 because if we didn't, if we drew, if it, even a 1-0 game where it looked close, which it did at times, they were dangerous when we were only up 1-0, it, it would have been disappointing. And I think, but I think this 3-0 win shows that we have at least improved a tiny bit from last season. Because if I know the Chelsea from last season, they are drawing that game. Like 1-1, 1-0, Kepa's conceding something stupid, and we're going to just give up because we have no mentality. But 3-0 win, we, everybody played well pretty much. It was just a very happy that we were able to do our business without Chelsea-ing it, I'll say. If Chelsea, Chelsea-ing, a new verb I created, sure, let's go with that. Yeah, I mean that that was certainly you know we were scared of use of that happening. I'm not even going to use the word. I want to give credit to it right now. Um, but yeah, I was afraid as well um, that you know something could happen there. And uh, I believe did you see that that it sounded like Kepa like conceded a long shot. I didn't see it. I just saw it on TFC. Box oh, it was it was very funny. It was very funny. It, it actually ended up getting ruled out for some reason, which was very disappointing. But it was a perfect encapsulation of what Kepa is. It's from a corner. Ball gets whipped in. He doesn't collect it on the corner. He punches it out weakly to the edge of the box. It's a very, very slow shot on the ground. Takes a, a tiny deflection, and he basically just stands there and watches it go into the bottom corner. He dives a tiny bit to make it seem like he had the effort and wanted to actually get there. But it was it was beautiful to watch. I'm so happy. I mean, I don't know if Sanchez is the truth. I don't, honestly. But I'm just glad to not have to deal with Kepa anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't really see what happened. I didn't, you know, whatever. I, I've seen enough of it that I can envision what was going to happen. But like you said, Peter, I thought everyone played pretty well today. Um, I thought up front, we definitely had some struggles at times with the Santos-Sterling combination. Obviously, both of them, you know, getting getting what they needed at the end. Uh, you know, Jackson, obviously, with the hard work that he put in all match to get that goal at the end. Uh, and then Sterling with two goals and an assist uh, was really, really uh, you know, good today. Definitely had his, you know, odd moments and uh, not great moments. But when it came down to it, uh, he was pretty much the match winner at this point. Uh, won the match for Chelsea. And then Nico Jackson, you know, he's been lurking around goal. Uh, he's put in really good work rate. Uh, he's made the right passes most of the time. 
He's kept his head up. He's won the ball. Uh, he's done everything that he's kind of supposed to do. Uh, and just the finishing touch has not been there throughout the first half, of the, you know, the, before he scored, I should say, before in the 75th minute. Uh, we saw a few shots, a few chances. He just wasn't able to put them away. Um, obviously, from tough angles, some of them were, uh, especially in the second half. But uh, he was finally able to get his name on the score sheet, and I was happy to see that for him. And hopefully that can start a streak of sorts here uh, up front for Jackson. Uh, and it seems like Sterling has a nice connection with him. Uh, Malagusto has a nice connection. Malagusto, another player who played really, really well. That whole right-hand side uh, I thought was very, very good for Chelsea. And uh, besides maybe uh, Gallagher, who didn't have his best moments, to Sassi, who was a little bit shaky again. Uh, Chilwell with his Ben Simmons moment, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Basketball reference for everyone there. But uh, yeah, it, well, overall, I thought everyone played well uh, with a few players here and there that uh, definitely were not at their best, but had some shining moments. I, I, can you just explain the Ben Simmons moment now, please? I need everybody to hear this. Just please go ahead. You just go right. go with it now. I need to. Because then, then I can make fun of you for it as I say my thoughts on the game to you. So it's like a two-in-one right now. Uh, let's flash back. I think it's, let's see, 2021. I think we're talking right now. NBA playoffs. Um, we're, what is it, 76ers against Atlanta Hawks. Uh, for everyone who's, you know, not a basketball fan. Ben Simmons, it's the fourth quarter. He's under the basket. And, you know, you think, oh, he can lay it up or just dunk it or whatever he is. He's wide open under the basket. Uh, but instead, for some reason, he passes the ball. Uh, and then the Atlanta defense able to swallow him up of whoever the player. I think he passed it to Danny Green or whoever it was. It's not that that's important. But uh, anyway, Ben Shulwell in a similar situation gets the ball, flicked onto him from... Uh, Jackson is wide open, through on goal, literally probably 20 feet between the two defenders side to side to him and decides to pass it to Sterling, who is farther away from the goal than he is. Same thing. Of course, the Brooklyn Nets, which I know know Peter uh, is about to mention, ended up trading for Ben Simmons, and that has not gone very well so far. So there you go, and I'm a big Nets fan, so there you go. I'm, I'm... Taking the, I'm taking the air out of the joke that Peter is about to throw on me. Uh, you you did to kind of take away what I was going to say, unfortunately. But I do like the analogy. I guarantee you there are many people listening right now that don't really understand still. But just know it's funny because one of Alex's favorite teams trades for a player who is just extremely disappointing and doesn't have the confidence to shoot from right in front of goal, which is exactly what Ben Chirwell also did. I think it's more so... He doesn't have a he he's we know how good he's shooting with his left. He scored so many goals. He hits the ball so sweetly with his left. But if even if you think back to the last game Chelsea played, where the ball comes to him in the box towards the edge of the box, and he hits it with his right foot, it was and it was like a five mile per hour shot. It just wasn't strung at all. He didn't make good contact. I just think that in and then him in general not having a lot of confidence with his right foot is kind of the reason why he didn't shoot. Now, should he have shot anyway? Yes. But I think he just isn't comfortable shooting with his right, which I think if you're playing him in the formation that Posh did today, where you're playing him as a left winger, I don't think you could have a left winger that isn't confident enough in their right foot to shoot, especially considering a lot of passes are naturally going to take him in towards the goal on his right foot if he's playing at left wing. So I think that's something to look out for. I think that could have just been a one-off thing, and maybe he he thought that Sterling was more open than he was. 
But I think that's something to look out for because if Posh continues to play him at left wing, which I think he he will based on at least the past three games where he's done the same thing, he needs to work on his right foot. And I mean, I'll speak about the formation again. I, I The 3 no win kind of takes at the beginning of the game going into it. Me and Alex, I can say, were a bit disappointed about what we saw, a bit confused. But the 3 no win, obviously, probably we care about it less now considering we had a good performance. But I still think it is very, very weird how Poch goes from a 4-2-3-1 system. I mean, he's still kind of in a 4-2-3-1 system in a way, but he kind of just switches everything up because we didn't really play the system at all any of the preseason games. It was kind of a basic 4-2-3-1 where mostly it was Chilwell, Gusto, or James, and then two center backs. Now we're playing with three center backs, Chilwell further up the field. And Matson obviously came on later in this game, but he was the one that was usually playing in the position Chilwell is now. And it's just a bit confusing to me why he decided to switch that up. I'm sure Nkunku and Chukumeka's injury definitely add to that, but we were playing the system before it anyway. So I'm not exactly sure what clicked in his mind where he thinks that we need to play that now and can't go back to a regular 4-2-3-1. I just, I'm a little bit lost on the thinking here. I mean, obviously this game it worked, but in the Liverpool game it worked too. But I mean, I think, I don't mean, I don't know if we'd have more success in a 4-2-3-1. And I trust the manager more than uh, more than me to determine the tactics that we need. But I just don't understand what the point of preseason was if we're going to switch it up immediately as we go into this season. I mean, uh, Alex, do you have anything to add to that? Because I'm just a bit... I'm a bit lost. It's it's certainly confusing. The only thing I can imagine, this is the only thing that I think makes sense, is that now with the Nkunku injury, he was going to be such a massive integral part of this team going forward, right, this season. And now he's not going to be back till you know, January or whatever. It may be November, December, January. I don't know what exactly what the timeline is, especially long-term injuries. You never really know. Um, but yeah, I, I think that could be the only thing that now he doesn't really feel comfortable uh, with his attackers, or he doesn't feel comfortable without Nkunku, and uh, you know he felt like a change of shape was the only thing that could kind of make up for uh, you know him as a player. You know, could it be uh, you know a certain lack of uh, you know firepower going forward? You know, not enough, uh, not a not a you know premier striker, I should say. Um, maybe it's something like that. But yeah, like you said, Peter. I think the only thing that makes sense is the Ngugu thing and that he was just so thrown off by that injury that he just kind of felt like, you know, the shape had to change, do something a little bit different. But even that doesn't really make sense. So, uh, yeah, it's confusing. It doesn't really make sense. Um, and I guess we'll see if he continues with it, which I'd assume he will uh, going forward. Um, you know, next week, I think we got a cup game right against uh, Wimbledon it is, right? Uh, I believe Chelsea do, right? Let's check that. I think uh, so. And Wednesday, it's yeah. funny. It's funny because I said how the first half looked like it's an FA Cup game. Obviously, it's Carabao Cup, but it's going to be exact the first half, which seemed like it was a <laughs> the, the game we're going to have next week. We're obviously going into it next week. And Alex, are we 100% confirmed now that it is Wimbledon? It is Wimbledon, which we probably will not actually most definitely will not be doing a recap for, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> I think I think it's not the most important game. Oh, I mean... We're doing a recap if they lose. If they lose or there's like a major injury or something. Or or a deadline day move, obviously, that'll be... Deadline, yeah. I mean, this is kind of a good transition if we want to start talking about transfers now. Oh, but There you go. I'll let you finish up about what you want to say with... Uh, with the, I'll just, yeah, game. finish about the game and then we can do it. I just wanted to say that 
I, I, so much of the stuff I'm saying right now is recycled from the text me and Alex sent to each other during the game. But I think Sterling, he's very two-faced where he'll at one point give the ball away three consecutive possessions and then he'll come out like he did in the first goal and dribble through four players and have a great finish. But I think this is the Sterling that we thought we were getting from Man City last year where he looks dangerous. He looks like he's the best player on the field when he has it on. He's able to whip in balls. He's able to get assists. He's able to score. He's able to do everything you want from a winger. And I just wanted to point that out because I think I've kind of been critical of him last season and preseason, definitely preseason this year. Because, I mean, he didn't look good, but I guess that's what he needed because obviously he listened to the podcast and got motivated off of that. I'm sure that's probably what it is. I should probably take some credit for it. But, I mean, he's just looked much, much better. And having a Sterling who's 100% and who who looks as dangerous as he is, is going to be so, so key for us this season. I, I'm just, I'm excited. I hope that with this momentum he has now, he can keep, he can keep carrying it because we look like such, so much more of a better team when he's at 100% and he's able, to, when he's able to just be the, be a player in the front line where you know you can get goals from, you know you can get assists from, and you know he can be consistent, even though I did talk about him earlier not being consistent, which I guess is kind of ironic. But I think I just need Sterling to continue to do this because he's looking very, very good, and he's so, so fun to watch when he's playing like he is right now. All right, I think that is now time to transition, or is time to transition to a little bit of transfer talk before we close out the episode. Uh, So Andre Santos uh, is going to be going out on loan to Nottingham Forest. I'll give my quick thoughts on it and send it to Peter. Um, I think overall it's a good move. He can get some game time, some Premier League game time, starting game time. It's good for Forrest. It's good for Chelsea. Uh, we've seen the potential that Santos has in you know international competitions, and uh, we want to see, is he going to be able to cut it in the Premier League? And I think there's no better way than, you know, yes, being with a struggling team uh, like Forrest, but, uh, you know, a, a place that still has some quality uh, players around him that, you know, hopefully he can, you know, work with uh and then also um you know compete in the Premier League and you know compete to survive uh in the Premier League which I think is kind of a humbling experience and also uh, a good experience for a young player like him and just uh hopefully you know finding his footing and doing something like Levi Colwell did uh this past season now breaking into the Chelsea team and playing fantastic or Gallagher who went out of Premier League alone and now is uh, in the first team consistently um you know plenty of other Chelsea players in the past as well so I think overall this is a positive him and Chelsea I agree 100% I've been a big fan of him as we know I do think it's interesting how after the law of Casado signings which I mean it makes sense how someone of his talent who really needs game time to develop gets needs to get used to the Premier League obviously coming from Brazil I don't know I don't want enough watch a lot of Brazil so I don't really know how similar their games are but I think he definitely needs to adapt so going to Forest like you said even though it's a struggling team there's probably not the best for his development going to a Premier League team where he's going to get game time. It's going to be good for him. And I do think he's going to be a key, key part of our future. Obviously, we didn't include any options or obligations to buy. So I think clearly Poch and Bowley and all the directors, all the sporting people, everybody, basically everybody in the hierarchy agrees how much talent he has and thinks he's going to be a key part of it. And I think this loan is going to be a key, key part of it. And I'll con- kind of transition to the next thing. Uh, I talked about earlier how I didn't know if Sanchez was the was actually it. Was he was the real keeper that we needed? So we are bringing in. I don't know his first name. Very weird Serbian name, unfortunately. 
but it's Petrovic for I think it was a 15-ish million pound signing from the New England Revolution, which I find weird how we're getting all our keepers from the MLS because this is now the second keeper we've signed after Gabriel Salonina, who was coming from the Chicago Fire. Uh, I don't watch MLS games a lot. I cannot tell you, even though we are American and theoretically should be probably one of the most applicable people to talk about him, I don't really know anything about him. Didn't really know anything about him beforehand. I think he seems good. I saw some highlights on Twitter where he looked good. Obviously, that's clearly the best way to go about judging a goalkeeper is looking off only their good saves and not any potential errors they make. But it can never hurt to bring more goalkeeper uh, competition, especially because Sanchez has looked a bit shaky in the game so far. So I guess we'll see on him. But I mean, I trust I trust the recruitment team. They've done well so far, so I don't see why this couldn't be another uh, diamond in the rough. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a good uh, a good competition signing here. I don't exactly, like you said, I don't watch a lot of MLS either, but from what I've heard, sounds like he's a solid keeper, and hopefully he can, uh, you know, compete with Sanchez and you know let the best keeper win. And I think that's that's the best thing uh, we can say. And then we'll end it all. I hate ending it on this guy, but whatever. We're gonna do it. We're barely gonna give him any time today because we don't like him. All right. Romelu Lukaku, uh, apparently a loan move to Roma could possibly be imminent. Uh, just a plain loan, nothing else. He's now stabbed Juventus, Inter Milan, both in the back, and caught to one of uh, one of their biggest rivals, obviously one of the bigger teams in Italy. So, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I wish we could just get rid of this guy once and for all, but no one seems to want him except for Saudi, which he doesn't want. So, it's a, a frustrating situation, but... I guess it's better to have him out of the building uh, and out of the training pitch, uh, you know, than him being there. So I guess better than nothing, but I uh, really wish we could just get a permanent move done somehow, somewhat. Yeah, obviously you'd want the permanent move to get done, but he's at this point, he's stabbed too many teams in the back to actually really attract any interest. I wish he, I mean, Saudi teams were interested, but he just wasn't interested, of course. It was very disappointing, but I mean, it's, annoying to see how we softened our stance because originally we were like nope is permanent deal or nothing and then we were like okay well we could do it in a swap deal with Juventus for Vlahovic that's not the worst thing in the world then we were like okay loan with obligation to buy or loan with option to buy that seems okay and now we're kind of just doing a straight loan I think that is a bit disappointing I mean you just wish you you just wish you could actually finally get him his salary bring some money in for him I think we're honestly just going to be stuck with him till the end of his contract and kind of just kind of have to do the same loan out, loan out, loan out. It's just disappointing. And I do, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm not an expert on the Premier League loan restrictions and loan rules, but supposedly, according to people on Twitter, I don't remember exactly who, is that we had two foreign loan spots remaining and Lukaku to Roma, assuming this actually gets done because who knew, who knows, he might backstab them. That would only leave us with one foreign loan spot which means one of either David Washington, who has now finally been officially announced after like three weeks after we talked about it when Fabrizio gave the here we go, and Leslie Ugochukwu, who actually had a pretty nice cameo today, one of them will have to stay at Chelsea. And I mean, if the, well, like I said, Ugochukwu did have a good game today, so I don't know, because... Anyway, I'm saying we'd only have one foreign loan spot left for those two players, because obviously Lukaku is going to take up one which is another disappointing thing on not being able to make it a permanent deal. He just keeps 
having bad things happen to us. It, it never ends. Even when he want, when he when he's willing to just go out on loan or whatever, he still just can't find a way to just leave and not not bring any bad things with him when he's trying to leave the building. It's so annoying. I I cannot believe how bad this turned out. It's so annoying. But I feel like I've been going for so long, even though we said that we would not give him a lot of time in the podcast. It just I constantly want to rant bad things about him whenever we talk about him. So hopefully he goes on the road loan to Roma. We can figure out some sort of agreement permanent after the loan, and then we'll never have to talk about him again. I would love that. That would be best case scenario, and I hope I hope that happens one day. Uh, one day in my lifetime, Lukaku is going to be here when I'm like nine years old and in a wheelchair. He's still going to be there um, at Chelsea. He's never going to leave. I can just feel it. But it is what it is. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Talking Blues podcast. Hopefully, everyone uh, has a great weekend now that Chelsea. Uh, got a early victory, obviously, Friday night um, clash here against Luton. So uh, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at TalkingBluesPod um, and keep up to date. I think we might have an article out about this game as well. Uh, I think Josh is working on that. So uh, you know, stay tuned for that. You know, Watch our Twitter because it'll be put out on there. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Thank you for uh, listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>